I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, September 3, 2019. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. The first thing we're going to do is take a 30,000 foot view of the market and see if anything really has changed since last week. The answer is not really. We'll get all into the details. We're going to pick it apart. We'll peel back the onion. We're going to talk about all the numbers. And we're obviously going to talk about the position of the market as it relates to various different charts. Let's once again put in perspective what we have on the screen. So A, here is a bear flag pattern. So traditionally, we're going to see this continue. It's called a continuation move, continue to the downside once it's finished eating time off the clock. We know about that. We talk about that all the time. What else do we have that's important? We can always look at charts in a variety of different ways. So let's look at it a different way. Here we have some important pivot tops. We have a 50 period moving average that the market did run into and was rejected from. Now where are we? We are in between. We're kind of in no man's land. We're in between the 100 period moving average and the 20 period moving average. We closed on the 100. Is it really significant or insignificant, these moving averages in terms of today? It's less significant because look what the market's been doing. It's been basically trading in and around these moving averages for quite some time. What that does, at least from where I sit, is diminishes the importance of the moving averages. Not to say they're not important they're moving averages so by definition they're an average of where price is over a period of time but yet again since we've been bantering back and forth in and about up and around the moving averages we're just gonna know about them but we're not gonna give them too much weight the 50 up above we gave some weight because we hadn't been there in a while and we simply came from afar when we hit it last Friday. Here's a question. If we were to go up and get again into and even through the 50 period moving average, is it or would it likely be the same type of resistance that it was on Friday? And the answer is unlikely. Just using the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time against 20% of the time, the first run into support or into resistance is generally going to actually be support or resistance. The more you hit something or you hit it the second, third, fourth time, you're less likely or at least the probabilities are not necessarily in your favor like they were on the first run. We don't like, and folks that have been trading with me for a while know this one, we don't like sloppy seconds. Therefore, if we were to find the market back up again testing around Friday's highs, I wouldn't be so sure that Friday's highs would reject the market as it did on Friday. Let's narrow the field a little bit and discuss what we do have above and below and where those price levels came into play or simply didn't really come into play today. We drill down to an hourly chart and it becomes pretty obvious. You had a range for today and the range was basically in here. The market traded within that range all day long. They dropped them right out of the gate. So here's your gap down and here's essentially your bear flag pattern 
that would normally result in a continuation move and you have a gap down here. So we were looking at two things during the day. When I say we, I'm talking about inside the numbers members. Here is inside the numbers. So we start with the pre-market morning notes. We're not going to go through all of them, but I do want to highlight some important points. The S&P is hanging around the big fat round number of 2,900. Over the holiday weekend, they were below and now fighting to stay above. For those of you who may not be aware, the futures did trade over the holiday weekend. They open Sunday night, they close halfway through the day on Monday, they open again Monday night and trade on through. Why do they do that? Have no idea. There's nothing wrong with being off for a while. Continuing on, if the ES was to continue pushing lower, where would it be headed? One of the first areas of keen interest would be the breakdown candle low, which is around 28.75. Early in the morning, we want to make sure that we have our extremes picked out, and then as the trading unfolds, we narrow down to near or closer by numbers. A little bit farther down, you'll notice we'll use SPY 288.50, give or take, as the zone. Also noting 288.89 is a gap. There's a little bit of a grammatical issue going on there. I didn't notice it. It's busy in the morning. And by the way, I like the fact that the early risers end up being my spell checkers. So you're more than welcome to continue doing that as I populate the page early in the morning. I need all the help I can get. Now the market's rolling along. It's 9.50 in the morning. We've been open for 20 minutes. It's a quiet opening. We had a gap down, but it's still rather quiet. We're already zeroing in on the gap above ES 29.21 and a quarter. If the market's going to be headed in the northern direction, that's certainly going to be one of the likely targets. So we want to make sure we get it out there early. 10 o'clock. We want to look at the other side. Hourly closes below 29.98 and a quarter is bearing and should promote lower price tags. We would begin looking to the area discussed in the pre-market notes. There's a gap on the SPY 288.83. I had to jump around a little bit today between the ES and the SPY only because the ES was trading over the last couple of days. That's why it became important. That's why I told you about it before. It's not like I just had extra time on my hands. Here's an important one. Fast forward to 10.30. A few minutes before the hour closes, the ES went back to test 29.98 and a quarter on the nose and fell away. So what was support becomes resistance, and in this particular case, at this particular point in time, it was resistance. The point that I was making at the time was that the number in and of itself for the time being is important. Then we go on to note, if the ES is successful in recapturing the big fat round number of 2,900, that would be a positive sign for the bulls and give them another rally attempt. Until and unless that happens, they're pointed lower. At this point, we're just playing tour guide, waiting patiently for the market to essentially tip its hand. Fast forward to 11.05. It could be setting up for a chop shop for a while. For now, ES2900 is the southern bogey, and 2915 is the northern bogey. In between is the chop shop. 
The rest of it, you can pretty much get a good idea. The market really didn't do anything for the rest of the day, so you can take a snapshot and read that. That's what was on the board. The other thing that was on the board was stocks on the move. So we had five opportunities this morning posted on the board. Three of them hit their price targets, Win, Urban Outfitters, and Intelsat. The last one, symbol I, is Intelsat. You see the entries on the column third from the left. We'll take a look at the charts in a moment. Before we do that, let's run back to the spider and let's understand what we were looking at during the day. Using the hourly chart, it's pretty apparent. We had the gap down and we had two gaps, one below and one above. These are the ones that you just saw. So here's below, we didn't hit it, came up short. Here's above, didn't hit it, came up short. What's the likely story? A, they're likely to fill one of those gaps in the futures overnight. If they don't do that, They'll do it in the morning. It's unlikely we're just going to trade sideways for the next several days. We're going to get going in one direction or another. Now, let's drill down and talk about that. Back to the daily chart. Are we getting any clues? No, we're in no man's land where we are. Obviously, the bigger picture holds true. We're still inside this bear flag pattern. Doesn't mean the market can't go back and forth. It has been going back and forth, torturing traders. So it can continue to do so. So let's see what we have below. Let's see what we have above, which will give us at least close-by stuff near-term prices that we can hang our hat on. What are we going to use? Very simple. We'll use the gap above and we'll use the gap below. We're going to do the same thing we always do. We're going to use the 80-20 rule. Why in the world would we change anything now? The gap above, if filled and not rejected, if we start closing hourly inside or above that gap, that's a bullish sign. Again, On the flip side, below, if we fill the gap below and we don't get a nice northern reaction, if we start closing hourly below that gap and start trading lower, that's going to be a tell in the short run for the bears. Here's what I would also say. This is not necessarily something you can see and it's not something I can hang my hat on. It's something of an opinion, but we'll leave it at that, but I might as well give it to you anyway. If we're talking about the southern side, If this gap doesn't hold, and the gap we're talking about happens to be at 288.89, if you see the SPY closing below there hourly, it's a pretty good chance. There's a pretty good indication, at least from where I sit, there could be a rapid fire effort to bring the market all the way down to the lows down here. So this low happens to be 281.72. So somewhere in that neighborhood, 283, 282, 281, in that ballpark, if this gap doesn't hold, don't be surprised to see the market down at those lows pretty rapidly. I don't necessarily mean it has to happen in the same day, but it can certainly happen in a couple of days pretty quickly. And if, it's a big if, if that were to happen, it would once again be showtime at the lows. How about a different viewpoint using a 120-minute chart? You see the same thing we saw in the hourly chart. It just gives you a different visual. Remember this reversal candle? We talked about that. You have a down move here and a bear flag pattern. It's pretty tight. And generally speaking, this is going to do this. It's going to go in the southern direction to finish off the move. It's called a continuation move. What about the flip side? Let's look north for a second and hypothetically... 
Let's say that this 120-minute reversal candle right here from the 30th at 1130, closing at 1130 a.m. on the 30th. Let's say they closed a 120-minute candle back above the high. The high was 294.24. So just say for argument's sake, they closed 295 and a quarter, a two-hour candle at that or above that number. Is that bullish? You better believe it. Doesn't necessarily mean it will happen, but if in fact the market did close up there by chance, you'll get a vacuum to the upside again. 80-20 rule, 80% of the time. I think that about covers it on the spider. You have both sides, you know where we are, you should be ready for Wednesday. Now that I gave you everything I know in terms of the spider, it's time to let me bloviate for a minute, as if I wasn't already doing that. Stocks on the move, we had three hit their price targets. So let's go over them real quick. When was the first one? You can see it closed on Friday at 110.16, getting hammered at the open. The number listed on the board early this morning, long before the market opened, 104.55. What happened when it came into 104.55? Well, first it made a low of 104.27, then it took off to the upside, making a high at 106 and a quarter, Pretty rapidly. Nice, quick, thank you very much trade. Urban Outfitters, 2240 was the target. It really didn't do it early enough. It needed to come in there a lot earlier so that we would get a bigger reaction off that price zone. But nevertheless, this goes to show you the importance of the numbers. Still closed a dollar higher on Friday. The low of the day happened to be 2235 just a nickel below the target price. Didn't get a big rally, so be it. The next one was Intelsat. So you see Intelsat closed on Friday at $20.66. The number we were looking for was $17.97. You can see what happened. The rest is history. Stocks on the move. The numbers are important. The market hands us opportunity every single day. It's up to us to do something with it. Getting back in our lane, let's take a look and see what's going on down at the transportation department. What I see is somewhat interesting. Let's go back to the spider chart and just recall the fact that earlier in the day, it looked like they were going for the gap. They didn't do it. They traded away from it, so there's still an open gap below and an open gap above. Let's look a little bit closer at the open gap on the transport chart. The gap happens to be 9907.15. The gap above is 10,126.98. Let's take a closer look. When you drill down to an intraday chart, it looks like a bullseye. Only when you drill down even further and go to take the minute to get the number, the low was 9909.77. So it actually missed by a smidgen. Is smidgen a technical term? Yes, it is. So now the question is, what do we do with that information? Under normal garden variety market conditions using the 80-20 rule, one of two things is the case. A, they're trading away from it. That's a bullish sign. They missed it, which is a tip of the hat, if you will. Or they're going to come back down and get it. So those two things are obvious. However, we can use the first one to our advantage if we see the market trading away from a gap that they just missed. And on a shorter term chart, we can identify an area of a reversal and we have something to trade against. That's a trade we can take. That's information we can use to our advantage. We're not saying anybody should have taken the transport trade. I'm just specifying that 
Generally speaking, when this concept comes up, these are the thought processes that go through your mind or that should go through your mind. Outside of the gap discussion, we're in the same position that we've been in. It's essentially a bear flag pattern going back and forth. No change. What happens if we look out to Silicon Valley? Do we see anything happening in the queues? Anything worthwhile? Anything we can sink our teeth into? We have the same thing we just discussed in other charts. It's a bear flag pattern going back and forth. Barring an appearance by the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew, this will generally be a continuation move to where? The downside. I recognize it sounds like a broken record, but the charts are telling us what the charts are telling us. When they change, the conversation changes. By the way, I forgot to make mention, relative weakness in the IWM, by the way, is my favorite market leading indicator, relative weakness against the S&P 500. The spiders were down about six tenths of 1%, give or take, the IWM was down over 1.5%. That's a difference. It's a difference that we have to note. It becomes a puzzle piece, and therefore, it is on the table. Same routine for the transports. Outpacing, in terms of relative weakness, the S&P 500. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. So we do have some conflicting information. We have some divergences or conflicting data. Or is it data? Here's what we have. We have a gap down below that was missed by the skin of its teeth in the transports traded away from it in the northern direction. Not huge, but it did. That's short-term stuff. The bigger-term stuff is telling us we're inside of a bear flag pattern. It's all just information that we want to take in, we want to calculate it, we want to massage it, we want to know it, we want to use it when we need it to our advantage. Anything different in the financials? Really much of the same story that we just discussed. Outpacing the S&P 500 in terms of relative weakness. Yet here, we fill a gap by two pennies and trade away from it in the northern direction. It's interesting. It has to be of note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. I like to know when those gaps have been filled. SMH. Any different story here? This is the exchange-traded fund that tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. Any change here? And the answer is no. It's the same bear flag pattern. The only thing we have to watch out for, basically on all these charts, is getting above these highs. Getting above, closing hourly, and then daily above these highs can and likely will create a vacuum. What is a vacuum? A vacuum would be short covering, momentum buyers. That coupled together, mixed around a little bit, creates panic buying. Panic buying, also known as a vacuum. How about gold? Gold is on another tear. Gold is just strictly in an uptrend. Where is the next major area of resistance in gold? It's higher number one. Number two, I'm going to leave it to myself for now. Anybody that's an Inside the Numbers member is more than welcome to send me an email and I'll tell you exactly what number I'm looking at. But the bottom line is, it's in a long-term uptrend. It's on a long-term breakout. We've been talking about this for months. It got above a certain number. Once that occurred, it was all she wrote. There will be corrections along the way. There will be tremendous rallies along the way. Just like anything else, just like a stock, just like any other market, you're going to have back and forth. But gold is on a long-term breakout. When I mean long-term, I'm looking at a monthly chart which takes years to play out. 
Can you trade gold back and forth if you want to? You probably can. It's not my cup of tea. It's on a long-term breakout. And if anybody really didn't get the point in that, let me phrase it a different way. It's on a long-term breakout. That means over the long term, you're going to see higher prices in gold. Could it be 15 and a quarter next week? Yeah, it could, but it's going to be higher later. And with that, folks, it's a good place to pull the ripcord. I'm David Frost. I want to thank you for tuning in. I appreciate all the followers, all the viewers, all the long-term supporters. I appreciate everybody. Without you, these videos would not be possible. And as we know, this is how the world goes around. We live in a pay-it-forward society. In my little world, it's called karma. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.